know, anybody who knows Gail knows she always has everything together, but when she's up here, she gets that microphone, and all of a sudden, she's just like, okay, guys, hi, how are you? But she does such an awesome job, and uh, I know she's going to kill me later for that, but it's just funny because normally Gail is always just like, you know, she is matter of fact, but you put her up here, and it's, it's a different game, so. <laughs> but uh, we love Gail. We love what she's doing with the children's ministry, and uh, anybody who knows Gail knows her girls and just how amazing her girls are, and uh, they're an amazing family, so we are blessed to have them. Uh, as she mentioned, there is a Promise Keepers event. It's for men taking place on Friday night and Saturday. It's free which is awesome. But here's the cool thing for those watching online right now that think, man, I, I'm in the vulnerable. I can't go. All you have to do is go to the Promise Keepers website. Just type in Promise Keepers 2020 and you can actually get that same live feed at your house. That's how generous Promise Keepers are being. They're going to be talking about pertinent topics that are taking place in our culture right now. And, uh, and so, and it'll be an awesome time. So we've got a good group of guys coming already, but there's always room for more. So uh, you just have to give us a heads up because once we do hit 50, we do keep capacity and we want to continue to uh, respect the CDC guidelines, the mun municipal guidelines, so that we can continue to be open and continue to serve the community. So that's our heart and goal. Well, I, uh, my name is Mike Conaway. I'm the pastor here. And we've been in a, a series called Lamentations. Um, this is our fourth week. We have one more week left. And it's just been a very awesome opportunity for us to come together and know what it means to lament. A lot of times when people see the word lamentations, they think sadness right away. They think, oh no, here it comes. But the truth of the matter is, is that lamentations is something that's incredibly important. Learning to lament can help build our faith. Understanding this world is not perfect. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's not perfect, and we have struggles. And so this series is to help us find hope in the midst of adversity, in the face of adversity. And I think that you would all agree with me that we have all been experiencing some adversity. First off, globally, the whole world is feeling this uh, this struggle. And then nationally, not just COVID, but also all the other issues in our country, racism and protests and all the other things. And then personal adversity. Some of us have, have uh, experienced intense uh, adversity in the realm of your employment, in the realm of, of your job shutting down, in the realm of uh, uh, struggles with, uh, with your kids. And what do I do with my kids now that this is happening and this? So adversity... Uh, uh, spiritually, I, I don't know what to do with my mad. That's what Mr. Rogers would say. I don't know what to do with my mad, and it doesn't seem like I'm doing anything creative with it. Uh, it seems like I'm doing more destruction than construction with my mad, and so I need help. Um, it, it challenges us, uh, but lamentation starts with an admission of sin. And sin is just simply missing the mark. That's the best definition, definition of sin, missing the mark. And I don't know about you, but there have been times throughout this pandemic and throughout um, all the things that are happening that I've missed the mark. And when we come to that place where we can admit we've missed the mark, then admit we need help. And that's the most important thing with God. God just wants to know that you want His help. He gave you the option to have His help, but you've got to be the one to decide that, that you want His help. And then it comes for deep need for repentance. That's the next phase. The next phase is, okay, I know I need help, but I don't want it. 
So I'm remorseful that I got caught misbehaving. I'm not repentant. And see, there's a difference between remorse and repentance. Repentance means I want to make a 180. Remorse means I'm just sad you caught me. And until we get to a place of repentance, we won't change. And then we learn the true value of lament because it helps us to see how we've been hurting ourselves and how we've been hurting others. Because some, some of us right now don't realize how bad we're hurting others. Because we're hurting, we just want others to hurt. And that's not in the Scriptures. So that's part of this lament issue. And so then we understand that our hope is God. This place is not our home. We're just passing through. Jesus is preparing a place for us called heaven. So through study and reflection of the book of Lamentations, which is only five chapters, and four of those chapters only have 22 verses. When you understand that, we can start to unearth the precious nuggets of trust and hope from the rubble of tragedy. But you and I have got to decide we want to be the people digging people out of the rubble, not throwing more rubble on top of them to make it deeper and harder for them to escape. So we've got to make those decisions for ourselves. So what is the book of Lamentations? It's actually a memorial to the pain of the people of Israel. It's a memorial to their confusion. How did we get here? What brought this on us? And it is a lament of everything that they've known being changed. And I think we're experiencing that in different places right now. How many of us thought when 2020 started that we would have to get a ticket to get in here and have a mask on just to have church and, or better yet, churches would be shut down? How many of us, not, none of us would have seen that. None of us would have seen any of those things happening that have been happening. But they are. And we can't deny them and we can't deny our feelings. That's the other beautiful thing about lamentations. It doesn't ask you to suffer in silence. God doesn't want us to suffer in silence. He wants you to use your voice. The difference is God wants you to use your voice to Him first before you spew it on other people. He wants you to speak and not spew. And the problem is there's a lot of people spewing that say they know Jesus. And when you spew on people, it makes a mess. When you speak into people's lives, it brings healing and hope. And so I'm not asking you to deny your feelings, your emotions. No, I told you I want you to be mad, but I want you to be wholly mad. Mad enough to continue to fight the fight even after the headlines stop which they're not because the news knows how, how just to rile us up just the right amount, doesn't it? I'm not asking you to not voice your protests. I want you to protest. That's a, part of, that's a part of who we are. The Protestant movement came out of a protest. So I'm not asking you not to do that. I'm just asking you to do it in a godly way. But the, before you protest anything, protest to God first. Make your protests known to him so that your protests will then receive holy fire and then you'll be able to be motivated in the right direction. I want you to vent your feelings. I just want you to pour them out to God. You see, the best part about Lamentations, and I've said it and I continue to say it, is it doesn't end with this nice, neat conclusion. When you read the book of Lamentations, you read Lamentations 5.22, and when you read it, 
it leaves us with an open-ended question because guess what? That's how life is. Life's open-ended. We don't know what's going to happen today. You and I don't know what's going to happen when we leave this place today. You don't know what's going to happen during the time we're in this place today. It's open-ended, and it doesn't end with a nice, neat, clean bow. It just doesn't. We're left with faith, hope, and trust in the midst of heartache and hardship. See, because that's where your faith is really tested. Your faith is tested in your heartache and your hardship. Not in the good times, because most of the time in the good times, people aren't even looking for God. If I'm being honest, right? But, but in, it's, in the, it's in the hard times that we find out where our faith is and who our faith is in. And so the book of Lamentations helps us understand that, that lament, that struggle, that pain, that heartache, that tears are an important part of our faith in a broken and sin-sick world. And so today we're going to look at the benefits and actions of what lamentation is. We're going to look at what that means. What does it mean and what is the benefit to it? Where, how can we benefit from lament? And when we think about it, the first thing I want you to see today is, is, it, is we accept laments as an act of faith. The first thing you and I have to do is realize in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The first thing you need to realize is Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So once, right away, that means there's going to be some tears, there's going to be some pain, there's going to be some heartache, there's going to be some struggle. So the first thing that we need to understand is we need to accept laments as an act of faith. That's the first thing that you and I need to really settle our hearts on. And sometimes it's just because our faith has been uninformed. We have an uninformed faith. And it's like uh, the, the, the father in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Uh, he brings his son to be healed by Jesus. And his son has been suffering with... At first off, they thought it was epilepsy. But his son was demon-possessed. And his son has had this sickness fallen upon him. And nobody could help him. Nobody. You know why? Because nobody can help us but Jesus. Until you bring your problem to Jesus, we're going to struggle. Nobody can help you but Jesus. Even Oprah knows that. You ask Oprah back in the 80s. Ask the 80s Oprah. When, when the beef people were trying to get into her wallet and trying to take all her money, she all of a sudden didn't know no button about no no other God. And you can actually find the sound clip that says, I was calling on Jesus because only Jesus could help me. When it starts affecting you personally, all of a sudden you realize Jesus is the only hope. And that's what he does. He comes to him and immediately the father of the child cried out. You see, Jesus heals this boy. And the, and the disciples were like, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. You want to see an end to COVID? You want to see an end to racism? When's the last time you prayed and fasted for those sick who are sick and dying from COVID? When's the last time you prayed and fasted for those people who are experiencing racism or you yourself need to have racism carved out of your house? When's the last time you prayed and fasted? It's quiet in the church. Don't mess with my food. Right? I'm just going to do a different kind of fast. But I'm going to do it slow. 
immediately the father cried out. And look at what he says. He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. He looked at Jesus and he saw the power of Jesus and he said, man, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. He knew that his faith was uninformed and I'm here to tell you that lament can point out there's some areas in your life where you're not trusting God. There's some areas in your life where you're not putting your faith and your hope in God. You're putting your faith and your hope in the government. You're putting your faith and hope in your opinion. You're putting your faith and hope in your political candidate. You're putting your faith and hope in something other than Jesus and there needs to be a time where you shout out I believe now help me with my unbelief my uninformed faith you see the father understood what it meant to have a sense of faith but then he understood there was an uninformed faith there was an untapped area that needed to be tapped into and perhaps COVID will bring you to that place and perhaps racism will bring you to that place perhaps something else will bring you to that place his request for Jesus is a lament, and it comes, with an, it comes as an act of faith, a lament for his son, help my son. He came to get help for his son, but he didn't realize he needed just as much help as his son needed. You need Jesus just as much as someone else. Look at what 2 Corinthians says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven into despair. Some of us have been driven into despair by this COVID. Some of us have been uh, driven into despair by the unrest in our country. But the Apostle Paul laments that his afflictions, however, his lament is an act of faith and his circumstances do not lead him away from God. His circumstances don't lead him down the road to despair. Instead, they lead him to the throne room of grace. You see, his lament is an act of faith that leads him right to God. Where has your lament led you? Where has your mad led you? Where has your anger led you? Has it led you to the road to despair and anger and discouragement? Or has it led you to the throne room of God? These are the questions that will tell you if you have an uninformed faith or an informed faith. And the good news is, if you have an uninformed faith, I know a guy. He hung on a cross for you, and he hung on a cross for me. And then they buried him, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected, and he defeated Satan, sin, and death. So if you need him, just holler out his name. The next thing I want you to see this morning is we acknowledge our pain. We have to acknowledge our pain and we have to channel our anger and prayer and just actions. Just actions. Not, not just actions. Just actions. Actions that are justice motivated. So we need to learn how to channel that anger. We need to learn how to take that pain and, and, and turn it into prayer. And when we do that, God will help us. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Peter had just declared, God, I'll die for you. What, what was your life before COVID? I'll die for you, Jesus. Can nobody tear me away from you, Jesus? What was, what was your faith before the George Floyd incident? 
Could Jesus end racism before George Floyd or has something changed since Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and the other circumstances? And I'm not trivializing them by any means. I'm just saying that your faith can still be uninformed. And if your faith has changed and all of a sudden you don't believe that God is still working behind the scenes and he hasn't done anything, then something changed and it wasn't God. And you're channeling your pain and your anger in the wrong place. And so Peter, he goes on. He has a great lament. The Bible says he wept bitterly. And he was angry at himself. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't quit. So yeah, so okay, so yeah, you've made some mistakes. I've made some mistakes. We've made some mistakes. Maybe you responded wrong to COVID. Maybe you responded wrong to the unrest. Maybe you were apathetic. You didn't care one way or another. Maybe you got outlandishly angry. Maybe you got angry at the wrong people. Maybe you got angry at the wrong thing. Repent. Repent. Channel it now. Stop it now and start. It's not too late. You're still breathing. You're still breathing. It's not too late. So he channeled his emotions, and you know what he had the courage to do? He had the courage to go face to face with Jesus. You see, he goes fishing because he went back to doing what he always did. Did you go back to doing what you always did? Did you go back to doing what you always did before you met Jesus and Jesus started cleaning you up and then you started going back to the old behavior? which didn't work then and somehow you think it's going to work now? Right? So what's he do? Jesus cooks him some breakfast and then what's he do? He shows up. He shows up. And then he, he goes through the restoration process, which wasn't easy because he didn't understand God was restoring him. There's some people in the room today. There's some people listening on Facebook that doesn't understand God's restoring you right now. And it's a painful process and you need to acknowledge your pain and channel your anger and your prayer into just actions. So what's he do? He sits there and Jesus asks him a question. Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I love you. And he said, then feed my sheep. And Peter thought, okay, we're good. Oh, we're not done yet. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And a third time. He says, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was hurt. Because did you know that lamentation hurts? Did you know that restoration hurts? It hurts when you have to look at yourself in the mirror. It hurts. And Peter didn't realize God was doing it for his benefit to restore him. He had denied Jesus what? Three times. And Jesus was having him make his confession what? Three times. And then he said, Lord, if there's one thing you know, you know everything. And if there's one thing you know more than anything is you know that I love you. And Jesus restored him. And this morning, I'm asking you to get back to, if you haven't loved Jesus, then start today. But if today you have found your love for Jesus waning because you think racism took God by surprise, because you think a pandemic took God by surprise, it's time for you to come back into the kingdom of God. And it's time for you to say, Lord, you know that I love you. If there's one thing you know, it's that I love you. And the question is, can you say that to Jesus wholeheartedly? If there's one thing, Jesus, if there's one thing you know, it's, man, I love you. 
And then I ask you, how would he know it? Would he know it by your Facebook feed? No, because he's absent from your Facebook feed. Would he know it from your IM or your TikTok? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Would he know it? These are the questions. Would he know it from the words that you say when nobody else is around, just maybe a few people together? Would he know you then? See, these are the questions. And and let me remind you that your little ears, if you have children in your household, little ears hear what you're saying and you're breeding either faith or hate. Look at what Job said. He said, Job in the midst of his pain and struggling, he said, if I have rejoiced at the ruin of him who hated me or exalted when evil overtook him, I have not let my mouth sin by asking for his life with a curse. Job said, all this stuff that's going on and all my enemies and anything, what's ever caused this, I have kept my mouth shut. I have kept those people's names out of my mouth. Instead, I have focused on me and what's going on in my life and my relationship with God and I have made my struggles known to God and nobody else even when his wife said why don't you just curse God and die Job was so far from rejoicing when it when when evil befell other people can you say that today Uh oh don't let me start meddling can you say that today if somebody that you hate which by the way you're not supposed to I didn't know if the church knew that or not. I didn't know if anybody knew that or not. You're not supposed to hate anyone. But you don't know what they did to me. Uh, are you scraping boils off yourself and have you lost all your kids and your house been burned down and everything else? He never permitted those things to get out of the way and he never permitted those things to cause him to spew hate. If something happened to your, the, your opposing political candidate, would you celebrate? I'm just going to let that. I wish I had a recliner because I just hit it back for a minute and let you sit and chew on that for a minute. I'm not even talking for a minute because I'm letting that one set. Because you know there's some people saying, oh, it'd be a party at my house. Let me tell you who wouldn't be there. Jesus wouldn't be at your party. Thank you, Jesus. There's an obligation to love our neighbors. There's an obligation to love our enemies. Jesus said, what good is it if you love people who love you? Even the heathens do that. He said, what good is that? He said, now, now if you want to do something, love your neighbor. Now you're doing something. Now there's something special happening. But loving those who love you, golf clap. Congratulations. So, uh, Proverbs 24, 17, 17 says this, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. How many people need Jesus to help you channel your anger? And uh, Come on. Right? We must channel our pain and anger in prayer and in just actions. 
in our behaviors that are just. The third thing I want you to see this morning is that we regain power through lamentation when we cry out. You know what the problem is? You know why most people get angry? It's because you're, you don't feel like you're in control. If you really look at the seed of your anger, it comes down to, I'm out of control. I can't control what this person says. I can't control what they, I can't control my kids. I can't control my spouse. I can't control the president. I can't control the government. I can't control this. And so what do we do? We lash out in anger because we're out of control and we think we're powerless. And the truth is you are not powerless. You are powerful. You just got to tap into the power source. Lamentation, Psalm 44, 24 uh, through t- and 26 says, Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed to the dust. Our bellies cling to the ground. Rise up! Come to our help. Redeem us uh, for the sake of your steadfast love. Psalm 13, verses 2 and 3 says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes lest I sleep and sleep in death. Who was he crying out to? God and God alone. So many times we need to learn that you are in more control than you are. When you feel powerless, you need to understand that Jesus came to make you powerful. The believer in Christ is far from powerless. You have access to the throne room of grace. You have access to unlimited power. And you can gain control by taking your pain to God through power, through the power of lament. You want to see real lasting change? I told you it won't happen. There will be no social reform until there is spiritual renewal. Until men's hearts are changed, until women's hearts are changed, nothing else will change. But when God changes their hearts, things will begin to change. So what do we need to do? We need to cry out to God, regain the power Stop lamenting over the lack of powerlessness and start lamenting properly as the benefit and calling on God and saying, God, restore us. God, redeem us. God, look upon us. God, help us. God, help me. When you start telling yourself that you're powerless, you're going to get more out of control. And you're going to turn further and further away from God because you're going to try everything you can to wrestle that power back. You're going to do everything you can to get it back, get it back, get it back. And if that means hurting everybody and everything, if that means ruining relationships, I have seen people ruining their relationships with one another over this, over silly issues that we should be unified. And if we ever came together, we'd put an end to it for good. I've seen brothers and sisters in Christ who have embraced one another and called one another brother and sister, now not calling one another brother and sister anymore because of a headline. What happened to us? Was our faith real? We have people asking, was it real? And I say, it's just as real as it's always been. It's time for us to get back. And the only way I know how to do that 
is number four. We got to do the ugly cry and the angry prayer. Y'all know what the ugly cry is. Come on, y'all know what happens with the ugly cry. You know what I'm saying? You know, some people think, <laughs> right? But you know when the ugly cry starts, right? If something happens and you get the ugly cry, your face gets all squinched up, you start crying hard and you get that angry prayer. That's what we need to do. It says, pour out your anger. Look at what uh, uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 79. Pour out your anger on the nations that don't know you and on the kingdoms that don't call upon your name. He goes on in verse 10 to say, why should the nations say, where is your God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations and before their eyes. He's crying out with an ugly cry. He's, he's got the angry prayer. And here's the beauty of this kind of lament. It's between you and God. You need to close that door and cry. You need to close that door and let the ugly cry out. You need to close that cry and let the angry prayer out. And get it out of your heart and get it out of your system. How do you think it's going to get out if you don't let it get out? But you need to do it between you and God in your prayer closet. Shut that door and say, God, I don't know how I'm feeling. God, right now I'm white and I'm feeling this. God, right now I'm black and I'm feeling this. God, right now I'm in the middle and I'm feeling this. God, right now I'm this. God, right now I'm here. God, right now I'm there. God, right now I've got people that are sick. God, right now I got, I got to wear a mask. God, right now I don't want to wear a mask. Whatever you need to do, ugly cry and angry prayer it out. You know it's there because you're thinking about it. It's in your heart and in your head. Why not get it out? Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Let it speak. Just get it done. God already knows it. God, I'm mad. Ugly crying out. I lost relationships, God, because I was foolish. God, I don't think I'll ever have that relationship again. And I miss my brother. I miss my sister. But I've ruined it. Only you can help me because probably the truth of the matter is they're probably crying in their prayer closet. Before you know it, y'all are going to be crying together with the ugly cry and the angry prayer together. But you've got to be willing to get it out. Get mad at what you're supposed to be mad at. If you're mad at something, don't get mad at each other. Get mad at sin. Get mad at racism. Let's ha we have a common enemy. The common enemy is racism. If we're both mad at racism, we can help destroy it. If we're both mad at what's going on, we can come together in unity. The problem is, is we're personifying these things that don't need to be personified. Do it to God. He can handle it. I want you to consider that. What does it cost? When you do that, nobody gets hurt. You know why? Because you didn't spew it all over Facebook. Because you didn't spew it all over Instagram. Because you didn't spew it all over. And nobody gets hurt and you get healed. You can tell God exactly how you feel. God will be able to decipher your true emotions and the intent of your heart. Because the Bible says that it's God who knows the intent of your heart. So get it out, man. You know there's ugliness in there. Get it out. It's okay. God's in the business of getting ugliness out through the ugly prayer and the angry cry. But until you're mad about it, it ain't going to get out. 
Lamenting is the best therapy because you can bear your soul before God. And guess what? It don't cost a penny. And He's always open. You don't even have to schedule an appointment. He's always open. And the best part is He ain't going to write you a prescription. The only prescription He's going to write you is a prescription for prayer. He's going to say, uh, I need you to get a little bit of ugly face cry and a little bit of angry prayer, and you're going to be just fine. Dr. God. And if you need a little more, come back. There's plenty of refills. And the final thing I want you to see this morning is this. In, in, the benefit is in personal affliction we learn to trust God. You see, it's when it's personal that we learn. The global thing... Yes, the national thing, yeah. But guys, what's happening to us personally? Our personal affliction is where we really learn to trust God. Psalm 85, 8 and 10 says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people, for His saints. But let, let them not turn back to folly. Did you see that? Surely His salvation is near for those who fear Him that may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness and peace. Kiss each other. We must stay the course and refuse to turn back to our folly. The folly of hate. The folly of evil for evil. The folly of fear. We must refuse to turn back to those things that once were our God's. And we must turn to God and God alone. And it's in our personal affliction we learn to trust God. And the truth of the matter is it learns who you truly believe in. Now now you're going to find out. Now you're going to find out. Look at what Psalm 25, 16, uh, uh, 16 through 18 says. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Laments help us to turn inward before we turn outward. But here's what I've been seeing. Here's what I've seen the last few months. We turned outward before we turned inward. And when we turned outward, we destroyed everything around us. And we burned everything around us. We burned relationships down. We burned down our own uh, experience. We burned down everything that was precious to us because we turned outward rather than turning inward. If we learn to turn inward, then when we turn outward, it will be constructive and not destructive. We look inside and we ask God to change us. And then when He changes us, we'll change what's around us. He'll help us. He'll help us see the value of peaceful protesting. He'll help us see the value of caring for your brother who wears a mask and your sister because they're vulnerable and their life really could be lost. It hurts me when I hear people say, well, only 129,000 people died. That was 129,000 family members. That was grandmothers and mothers and fathers and brothers and uncles and sisters and cousins. They were friends. They were people. And we use the word only in front of anything because we don't want to wear a mask. 
doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. I really don't. I, I really don't. I don't get it. I'm speaking from a guy who struggles with panic and anxiety. So when you wear a mask, what happens is it becomes claustrophobic. But hey, I'll do it. I wear it everywhere. Not for me, but for other people. I don't want my sick mom to get sick because I decided that. And then some people say, oh, it's going to make you sick. Well, I'd rather be sick than my mom. I got a better immune system than my mom. So if wearing a mask makes me a little sick, then I'll be all right for this short season so that my mama can live. So I can have my mama a little bit longer. It just makes sense, man. I'm just saying, let's be sensitive. I don't want to hear, just listen, all you experts, save your emails. I could care less. I have an email right here. It's right here. There's an email. It's amazing. It's long. It's going to take a little while to read, but you should probably dig in. True lamentation leads us to the cross of Jesus. You see, because it starts with repentance. You see, you and I, we need to understand. People say to me, Pastor, why isn't God doing anything about COVID? Pastor, why isn't God doing anything about racism? Pastor, why isn't God doing anything about evil? And I tell you, God has already done more than you could ever dream of when He sent His Son Jesus on the cross to give COVID an expiration date, to give evil an expiration date, and to put an end to racism once and for all. He's already made His response, but my question is, will you respond to His response? Because you see, the cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God and the rightful wrath of God was satisfied. And objects of wrath, guys like me, became objects of affection, guys like me, because of Jesus. So you say, Pastor, how can you care? And how can you be willing to put all your, your stuff aside to just talk about Jesus and say it's all about Jesus, always been about Jesus, always going to be about Jesus? Because no one's ever died for me before. No one's ever taken away the pain that Jesus has taken away. No one's ever done that for me. No politician sure hasn't. No one's ever helped me. No one's ever forgiven me like Jesus. So pardon me, excuse me if I trust in Him over your candidate. Excuse me if I trust Him over your organization. Because I'm pretty confident He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So if I'm going to trust in anything, it's going to be in the church of Jesus Christ. Pardon me. But here's the best part. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be a part of the church. And we're not perfect, guys. What are we being? And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. And you know how that's going to be best happen? Through lamentation. And the first lamentation we need to do is, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you don't help me, nobody else can. You say, Pastor, 
How do I know he will? If he helped a guy like me, I promise you he'll help someone like you. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves your full attention. Jesus Christ saves sinners of whom I am the worst. And if we keep that in our hearts, there'll be an end to all this one day. And until that time, we're going to work. And we're going to see, we're going to help people recover from COVID. And we're going to help end racism in our country by being the church. I want to be a part of it. But I know I can't be without Jesus because I'll get in the way. Myself will get in the way. My humanity will get. But with Jesus, I'm going to be all right. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, I pray for each and every person in this room and every, each and every person that's watching. God, we're not here by accident. They're not listening by accident. It starts with us, God. Right there where you're at. If you say, God, help me, a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sin. I believe that you died on a cross and were resurrected. And you defeated Satan's sin and death. So I no longer have to be under sin's reign. Instead, I can choose to be a child of God. And right now, I choose you over hate, over evil, over fear, over shame, over doubt. And I ask you, God, to clean me up from the inside out. I know I'm not going to be perfect, God, but I am being perfected. And I know that's a work that only you, Holy Spirit, can do. So I give you opportunity and permission to operate in my life. I trust you. I love you. And I believe in you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And the church of Jesus Christ said, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God?